Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Good to see you, Liquid Church. Glad you are uh, tuning in for part three of our series, Detour. We're asking this question, what happens when life doesn't go the way you planned? Uh, when the unexpected happens or suddenly you're faced with a crisis or of biblical proportions? That's actually happening right now in Australia. To many of our friends, if you're down under, you're watching, listening online, good day. Uh, glad you guys are, but it's, in ra- it's been raining like mad in Queensland. Have you seen this on the news? The whole eastern part of the country is underwater. Flash floods have literally swept over kind of homes and cars, entire cities. If you didn't see it, take a look at this week's report from Sky News. Listen to this. It's incredible. It is a sight this state, this city, has never witnessed. Toowoomba is a disaster zone. A city perched on a hill under a torrent of surging water, picking up cars, swamping the CBD, and tragically claiming lives. The city of Toowoomba is effectively split down through the main centre of town. The flash flood hit just after lunch, 115 mills that fell in an hour. And amidst all the carnage, courage. Courage, and, and I'll just stop there. I mean, it's very scary. Imagine a river rising nine feet in ten minutes. That's what's happening with those flash floods, and they're really wreaking havoc all over Queensland, over 100 people missing, uh, thousands more rescued by helicopters. So first off, to our Aussie friends, Online, we're praying for you guys that you are literally going to show the world a chance to show what, what faith is, what perseverance is in the middle of, of, uh, of a detour. Incredible, incredible trials and testing. Anyway, as I watched these images this week, it brought to my mind the biblical passage we're going to look at today, which is really crossing Jordan in the book of Joshua, where the people of God, they've got to cross this swollen, raging river that's standing between them and the promised land. Uh, by way of review, we've been looking in Exodus and Numbers where God promised to lead his people out of slavery. Who remembers where they were? I'm going to draw the pyramid one more time for you, five o'clock, come on. Where were they? Egypt, yeah, and where were they going? The promised land, Atlantic City, New Jersey, there it is. <laughs> Some, I already got angry email from Staten Island, so we've got to hit someone else today. They were going to the promised land, this land that was flowing with Milk and honey, which we realize is really God's plan for our life. He wants us to bring us in this new kind of free living in reality. But what happened is the people hit a series of unexpected detours. First, they run out of water. Then they run out of food. Then finally, they run out of faith, quite honestly. And they literally come and get stuck in the desert. And they were on the doorstep of the promised land, 11 days away from the life that God called them to when the sense of fear kind of overwhelms them. Twelve spies go out to Canaan, or the the promised land, and they come back with a bad report. It says the men said, we can't attack those people. They're what? They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they'd explored. And we said, you know what? That is absolutely normal. Anytime God calls one of his children to go to the next level in their relationship with him, we should expect intimidation. The voice of the enemy doesn't want God's people actually stepping up, so he tries to discourage us with the voice of fear. 
you'll never be married. You'll never have kids. You'll never get a job. You'll never be out of debt. Bad reports. Bad birds. This is the voice of fear. And because the Israelites listen to it, they literally come to a what? A dead end in their journey. Their worst fear comes true. We're going to die in the desert. And God says, wish fulfilled. It's incredible. They, they, they die in the desert. In Numbers 14, God says this. It says, in this desert, your bodies will fall, every one of you who has grumbled against me. And um, this, this is a verse you don't see on a Hallmark card. Uh, <laughs> You know, you, know, you know how like, Christians love to sign their name, like, in Christ, Tim, and put a, and they put a verse, put Numbers 1429. <laughs> Your body will fall in the desert, right? It's incredible, but the reality is an entire generation for 40 years literally do donuts in the desert. Get back up here, dead end. They go around in circles. They get stuck. You ever feel like you're spinning the wheels? They did it for 40 years. They die off. God scrambles their GPS. He literally says, not one of you will enter the land that I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except for who? Two people, two men, Caleb and Joshua. Only two men returned from Canaan with the voice of truth. They're the minority report. They gave that different report. Remember this? They said, do not be afraid of the people because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord's with us. Don't be afraid of them. No fear. You ever see that phrase? You see that phrase a lot? Remember no fear? You see like on people's hats and the t-shirts on, uh, on their monster truck? No fear on the mud flaps? Everyone says this, but very few people actually live by it because it's the minority part. It's the voice of faith. We said that whenever we face this crossroads in our circumstances, God gives us a choice. He says, are you going to remain stuck in fear? You're going to be paralyzed. Listen to all the bad reports in your life. Or are you going to step forward in faith like Caleb, like Joshua. And, and, and praise God, just as the coolest thing, uh, at all of our campuses last week, we had literally, it's unbelievable, we had dozens and dozens of people stand up and say, I don't want to be a coward, I want to be a Caleb. In my generation, I'm not going to die on the wrong side of the dream that God has for my life, the calling he has. One woman, she wrote this on her connection card, I love this, she said, Pastor Tim, today is my Caleb moment. My life has been one string of bad relationships after another. I've been abused and let myself be manipulated by guys I never should have been with in the first place. Listen, all because of my fear of being alone. Now listen to this. She says, but today it ends. Today I am trusting Jesus with my whole heart. I figured if he loved me enough to die for me, then that's all the love that I need. And I'm stepping into the life that he's called me to. Whether single or married, I will never be alone again. Is that awesome? Can we hear it for that? That is awesome. I love that. In every generation, God's looking for a, Caleb, for, for a man, for a woman to stand up and actually show the world what it's like to trust God with your whole heart. She's saying, if God's for me, who's going to be against me? If Christ is in me, why would I fear men? A wholehearted faith is the only thing that set Joshua and Caleb apart from everybody else in this desert. God says literally, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me, what? Wholeheartedly. I'm going to bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. So I just thank God for you, my sister who wrote this. Because of your decision today, you have something better than a boyfriend. You have new life in Christ. You're passing over from the old to the new, and he's going to put his spirit in you. That's what happens when we accept Christ. He puts his spirit in us, and that gives us the power to live and think in a new way. Now today, we're going to learn a lesson from the life of Joshua. So why don't you take your Bible, all campuses, open up to, uh, to Joshua, turn there, and uh, chapter 1, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Look at us rocking the Old Testament. Here's the deal. Once Moses died in the desert, Joshua was his successor. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And so as Joshua opens, 40 years has now passed. In other words, an entire generation has died off, except for Joshua and Caleb. And, and, and you understand why God gave them that detour. He said, you're not going to enter. You actually have to die. All the people who has this old Egypt thinking, the slave mentality, you've got to die off completely until a new generation can rise up, lean in, trust me with their whole heart, and they get to go into the life that I promised. So in Joshua 1, God says to them, listen to this, now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the what? The Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, to the great sea on the west. That's the geography of modern-day Israel, by the way. Now listen to verse 5. 
no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never, let's read it together, never leave you nor forsake you. Do you hear these words? I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you ever doubt you're alone on your journey in faith, that's the voice of truth. No matter what detour you are facing, that's God, that is God's literal promise, his words to everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you especially when you're on the banks of Jordan. When you are on the brink of a breakthrough in your spiritual life, God is never closer. So 40 years later, God removes the do not enter sign. I'm not going to whip this out into the crowd. I apologize. Thank you for the lawsuit, person who took it in the head there. Uh, Take out the detour sign. We're just going to leave them down there. God says, it is time for you to go in. There's just one little thing in your path, one little obstacle remaining. Do you remember what it is? It is the... Jordan River, yeah, the longest river in all of Israel. And you just got to cross that little thing, and it's home sweet home. Now, the thing is with the Jordan River, it's actually not that wide, except when it's in flood stage. And Joshua 3.15 says this, Now the Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest. So God waits until the whole place is flooded. Have you ever seen a river in flood stage? That's happening in Australia right now. Watch, watch this clip from Toowoomba. This is incredible footage. This is a video shot this past Wednesday from some guy's office. He's looking out the back window. That's the stream in the back of his office. It, no, normal. That's what happened in five minutes. This is time-elapsed footage. It starts spilling over the banks into the parking lot. Once it spills over into the parking lot, cars start moving and floating downstream. This is a matter of minutes. You can see the destructive power. Bye-bye. That's Pastor Rich's car. Look at it. It's just taken off down there. It's absolutely incredible. It overspilled the bank. It took about 25 cars. This is Pastor Mike. He's just driving away. He's like, I'm out. I'll pray for you, man. But this whole thing, look at this. This was the aftermath. That's the end of the riverbank where it crashes into a bridge and they piled up. That's what the river did in 17 minutes. This went viral on on YouTube this week. And so the Jordan was not this quaint little river, okay, that like God was like, skip across the stream. It was over a mile wide. And he's like, everybody, ready for the promised land? Yeah, hooah, Master Sergeant. Into the water. Whoa. (laughs) They were like, what? I mean, imagine this. There's almost like a little edge of cruelty to it because they're on the, the doorstep of their dream. They can look across and see the promised land. They got a brave new leader, but only one thing stands in their way, and it's flood season. And God says, I want to test your sincerity one more time, and I want you to step out and cross it. And you just got to ask, why does God do this? <laughs> why, why does it sometimes seem like God leads us to the edge of something great in our life only to have the surprise obstacle hit a smack in the face. I mean, on one of the connection cards, I heard from a pair of young parents about their baby boy. They've been waiting for years to have kids, and when it didn't happen, they began fertility treatments. They looked into the adoption process. But a couple years ago, the wife gets pregnant, gives birth to a baby boy. They're like something of a miracle at the time. And they said it was literally like God answered our prayers, a miracle. But now two years in, their son has a serious medical issue. It turns out one of his internal organs was malformed at birth. And it has hit them out of nowhere. And it is this crisis moment in their family's life. They have hard choices ahead. They're like, here we are again. Are we, go- we thought we've been through this. Are we going to trust God or not? Because to be honest, they're like, we're afraid. And you know what? That's very honest. Remember this? We said faith and fear, they're, not, they're the same definition. They believe what hasn't happened will come true. And, and, and one of the first steps of faith, honestly, is to acknowledge we all have fears. Some of them are real. Some of them are heart-wrenching. Some, some are huge. They're a Jordan, like a health crisis for a child. So catch this. Faith is not defined as the absence of crisis in your life. It's the presence of Christ within the crisis. It's with this giant Jordan in your face can you have the ability to see beyond the crisis and see Christ being present in the middle of all of this. That the one who endured the cross can be trusted to walk through this water with you. He says, I'll never what? I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. For those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to say this one more time. Faith is not the absence of crisis in your life, but the presence of Christ in your crisis. And some of you can identify with that. 
Because you've got a Jordan River to cross, honestly. There's this obstacle or challenge in your life that just seems like totally insurmountable. Um, Pastor Mike sent me a card this week. He was like, Tim, there is divorce, there is bankruptcy, there is um, everything from abandonment issues, he says. There's, There's unemployment. There's massive challenges people in this church are facing. So this is real life. This this is a picture of our life. Their journey is our journey 4,000 years later. And when you give your life fully to Christ, it's like God literally says, I want you to cross over from the old life, Egypt, to the new. So it's not a journey free of crisis. It's just Christ in the middle of it. That's what God promises. He says, I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to give you contentment. I I am going to give you courageous faith in the face of your fear. So, so the question before us today is about crossing over. And I want to make this like real practical. Don't keep this generic. If you are at a crossroads in your relationship, it's sink or swim for your marriage. Sink or swim with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It could go either way. How do you cross over to the relational health that God has for you? If you're, if you're, if you're drowning financially, yeah, you made some stupid choices you just acknowledge it, just like, man, I dug this hole myself. But you are, you are in over your head. How do you cross over to the life of provision that God has for you? If you're facing an addiction, an ongoing struggle, I don't know, some secret habit, and it just won't let you go, how do you break free and cross over to the freedom that God has for your life in Christ? Joshua illustrates three steps that he invites the people of Israel, God's children in the Old Testament, and his children today to take every time you are facing Jordan. So let's look at chapter 3. We're going to pull these out together. Go Joshua chapter 3. It says this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And then it says this. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and what? Let's say it together. Follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. God's like, this is a new one for you, isn't it? And the first thing he basically says is that when you are on the banks of a Jordan, when you're on the brink of a breakthrough in your life, is the number one thing is this. You have to let God go first. You guys know what the Ark of the Covenant is? He says, I want you to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Who has seen Indiana Jones? You know what this is. You're a biblical scholar, right? The the Ark was Israel's most coveted treasure. It was a literal symbol of God's presence and power. It was this rectangular gold box, two by two by four, two angels on the top facing each other. And inside of the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments he gave to Moses. There was a jar of manna. In other words, here are the miracles. Here's evidence of the miracles I, I did in the desert for you. It's a symbol of my presence. And God says, I want you to follow the ark into the river. Follow my presence through this river. Do you understand then their fear, their hesitation? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like like when God wants to get our attention, when, when when God wants to perform a breakthrough in our life, sometimes he will lead us to a surprise challenge, a situation that makes us feel scared or helpless until we learn to depend on him fully, whole heart. There is no possible way we are going to get across this thing unless God goes first. And that's why he says, let the priests who carry the ark take the first step into the water. I love that. We don't know about the life of the priests, the Levites. And I'm guessing there were some days where they jockeyed for position, like, I want to carry the ark. I want to be the first one in. This is not that day. <laughs> this is not the day. From their point of view, they are walking into a death trap. And maybe the situation you are facing seems impossible. Maybe it's like no win, it is DOA. You, you are in a hole so big you can't climb out. You got a marriage or career so dead it can't possibly be resurrected. You got depression so deep, I can't imagine what joy would ever feel like again. Folks, this is the moment. You get this? This is the moment that you either break down or you break through. God is going to lead me through this, and I'm, because of it, I am going to the next level in my relationship with Christ. This is the last stage of the journey. When we face our fears head on, guess what? We come to the end of ourselves. I ain't got nothing else. That's a secret. Because the end of ourselves is the beginning of God. That's how it worked for my friend Matt, who walked into work one day and was blindsided by a coworker who caused him to lose his job. You talk about a detour. 
You'll recognize Matt. He's uh, one of the guys in our church who looks like he's got everything together. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got four amazing kids. He He had a rocket ship career in the city until he went to work one day and he ran into his own detour. This is his story. For 38 years, I've been on the A to B plan. Things were going great. Uh, Life was good. Things were going well. Then, in the fall of 2008, uh, as many people remember, business conditions started to worsen, and uh, I found myself struggling at work. In January of 2009, an email came in from my old boss, who basically said a coworker of mine had had blindsided me and had said I was doing everything wrong, I was driving my business off a cliff, and never in 15 years had I ever been blindsided like that, and it really affected me. Uh, I couldn't do anything but spin and think about uh, all the things that that email represented, and it really began the beginning, or was the beginning, of, uh, of the detour. For the next eight months, uh, it was definitely the worst time of my life. That detour was filled with anxiety, pain, depression, uh, you know, and part of it was a lot of pride that had swelled up. I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be the one who had failed. I didn't want to be the one who lost his job. Uh, getting let go is, uh, is not fun. Uh, that day I'll never forget was September 4th. 2009, it was a Friday, the Friday before Labor Day. And uh, I was called into the office at 9 a.m. I had been invited two days prior, so I knew it was coming. Uh, The meeting was uneventful, it was no fireworks, it was just matter of fact. Um, I ended up coming home, and uh, it was the last day the town pool was open, so my wife Liz and the kids had written me a note saying, you know, come join us at the pool, Dad. And uh, I went and I joined them, and all I can say is I remember that day so vividly because it was as if something had been lifted off of me and I never expected that. I expected frustration, embarrassment, fear, and none of that was there. And I remember throwing the ball with my son uh, and enjoying it for the first time in eight months. Every time I had done that in the months leading up to this, it was, I wasn't there, I was an emotional shell. I was just not not there. What I remember, the the word rescue is what came to mind. I felt like I had been rescued um, out of a situation. So as I as I reflect back on on that time and and what I've learned, really a couple things come to mind. One is pride. I had uh, created an idol in my life and it was my career and I realize that now but at the moment I couldn't have identified that. The second thing was uh, my family needed me. The pressures of my old job had taken me on the road, had taken me away from them, and it was starting to cause some challenges. Um, The job situation I'm in now is so much better. Uh, It's so much better for my family, for me personally, and I now know that God rescued me out of a bad situation to get to a better one. Um, And the third thing is is total dependence, which as a self-reliant person, my whole life I, I don't, can't ever say that I remember being totally dependent, but that summer of 09 uh, was, was it. I look back and when I was in the detour, I had no idea what was happening. Um, when I'm on the other side and look back, I saw God's hand uh, all along the way. And if you truly believe that, that God is in your detour, my encouragement to you is to just know that He is holding you in the palm of His hand. So in the end, I've learned that God is with us through everything. I guess that's my story. When you come to an overwhelming obstacle like my friend Matt did, it has a way of exposing what your faith is really made of. You know what I'm saying? All the Sunday school cliches and churchianity falls flat as God leads us out into the deeper waters of life. Matt is one of my closest friends. A lot, of, a lot of people think we're brothers, okay? We like, we're brothers in Christ, we're natural brothers. And I've learned so much from him as I have watched him navigate the detour of a job loss and lean deeper into God. 
It, it, Matt said one of the things that God revealed to him through his job loss was that his work had become his identity. Did you hear what he said? He said that, that detour fit, was filled with anxiety, pain, depression. Part of it was a lot of pride that had swelled up. He, he didn't want to be that guy, the guy who got fired. He said, I created an idol in my life, and it was my career. I realize that now, but in the moment, I couldn't. That is so honest. That is so human. See, floodwaters have a way of exposing every false idol in our life. It's like if they go up and then when it comes down, you see all the stuff you were clinging to for salvation. For some of us, it's, it's, it's our giftedness. For some of us, it's our skills, our education, our job, whatever. And when we hit a detour, it's like it all gets washed away. It all gets stripped away. And it's either going to break us, but remember this, God never draws us in a deep water to break us, but to literally bring a breakthrough in our faith, in our life. Do you remember who chose the Jordan River to cross? God said, this is how we're going to the promised land. God chose the Jordan. He could have led, led them around it. He could have led them over it, under it. He could have done anything. He said, no, I want you to walk through it. Because this is the place where all your self-effort dies and you come face to face with your true state. Your need for me. You are desperate for me. Most times we can only see how high the water is, what, what we're going to lose in the flood. But sometimes God uses that sense of helplessness to give birth to something new in us, a, a freedom, a dependency on God alone, because I don't have anything else to hold on to anymore. I've got to trust God to lead me to a better life than the one I'm currently in. God had a better dream for Matt, for his whole family. There's more time with Liz and the kids. But the way to that dream was through the waters of a job change, a major detour. Matt had a major Jordan crossing, and it amazes me how he chose to see God's hand in it all. He said, when I was in the detour, I had no idea of what was happening. When I'm on the other side and look back, I see God's hand all the way. When you are in over your head, it's confusing. You can't see it. You've got water up your nose. You don't know what's going on. Sometimes it's years later that you look back and say, oh, that's what God was doing. So when you face a Jordan River in your life, and you may be facing one right now, okay? And you can't see anything but churning water. Remember, God's, God's not trying to sink you. He's trying to break through. And he can be trusted to lead you safely across to a better life. Not just for you, but for those you love. That's, that's why we let God go first, as Joshua commands. He says, when you see the ark of the Lord your God, then you're to move out from your positions in what? Follow it. Follow him. Jordan is a dividing line. It's the place where you get to choose to decide. Are you going to follow the living God or are you going to trust in your, in your flesh, your self-effort to save yourself? Choose wisely like Joshua did. He, he, he says, first command, let God go first. Step one. Second step appears in verse five. Joshua told the people, he said, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do what? Amazing things among you. So before crossing into the promised land, he's like, now we're going to do something called consecration, which is one of those fancy church words no one ever knows what it means. It just simply means we're going to get cleaned up. We're going to wash ourselves. It's a purification ceremony. In the Old Testament, before you made a, a sacrifice, or you witnessed like a big, great act of God, you had to clean. People washed themselves outwardly, and it was a symbol that their inner uncleanness needs to be purified before a holy God. So the second thing that God commands when crossing Jordan, he says this, I want you to do this. I want you to follow God first. Then I want you to purify yourself. It's about, it's about purifying your heart before God. And this is critical, guys. And... Anytime we bring a request before God, we got to check our motives. <laughs> Some, someone recently uh, said to me, well, Tim, um, I have, I'm asking God to bless my business and make me a success and prosper me because then I can help others. And I was like, well, really, isn't that convenient? <laughs> like, what's preventing you from helping others right now? <laughs> like, like, I mean, I get that you want your business to prosper. There's nothing wrong with that dream. But we, we sometimes spiritualize stuff, you know, like, would, Lord, would you make me rich so I can help other people? See, we're shadow creatures, what I'm saying. We've got murky motives behind everything we think is best for us. That's part of this broken thinking we bring from Egypt. But consecration of your life means you want to be used by God so deeply that you do whatever it takes, every square inch of your life, to live with integrity. That, that, the word integrity, you know what it means? It means integrated living, meaning everything is connected to the other. See, see, as fallen creatures, we have an infinite capacity for kind of like compartmentalizing the different impurity in our hearts, our, our sin. I was talking with a young guy recently, single guy in his 20s, and, and he, was, he was bemoaning the lack of a woman in his life. 
great. And uh, he doesn't want to be single. And again, I understand that. And then he kind of casually mentioned that he struggles with porn. Again, no surprise. This is every man's battle. This is no, shaming nobody. He's like, I have a, a struggle to stay pure. I really give in quite a bit. And, and then it was interesting because he said, you know what I think my real problem is? I think my real problem is that I'm single. If I was married, I'd have the real deal. So that was the way he said, the real deal. If God would just bring me a woman, and I, I like, you know, I take a sip of my coffee. I didn't want to burst his bubble, but I was like, do you honestly think God's going to give you one of his daughters, yeah, when you are still enslaved to a porn addiction? In other words, you see the promised land, but you want to stay in Egypt. You get this? We want to do this. We want to straddle the river. I want what God has for me, but I also want this. I sort of want to stay here, but I really want to go. We're double-minded. That's our sin nature. I'm not shaming him. This is me. You get this? God's will may be for him to be married, but what loving father is going to solve his lust problem by giving one of his daughters and sacrificing her on the idol? Who's going to do that? We wouldn't do that. God's going to do this. This is why I think God puts a Jordan in our path sometimes, to purify us, to consecrate. He says, consecrate yourselves. I need to first address some of those deeper issues on your inside before we move powerfully on the outside. I I can't give you the desires of your heart if it's all knotted up with lust. I've got to straighten that out before we cross over together to freedom. Everything's connected. That's what integrity is. Integrated. God's not going to break through in one area when we're still in bondage in another. And, and guys, 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 man, don't tune out. I'm not bashing you. This is me. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty on the issue. We all struggle. Joshua is simply saying, if you want to see God do some what? Amazing things is what he says. You've got to purify yourself. Don't you blame him for a lack of breakthrough. You got, and sometimes when we want to see that breakthrough, you've got to raid the sin closet. All, where all the junk is hidden. Honestly, the, the, the banks of the Jordan is the place where we break down or break through. That's, that, it's really where you decide, how badly do I want this? How badly do I want this? I, everyone wants amazing things in their life, right? But God did this, it was powerful. But it's one thing to have the dream of God's presence and his freedom and miraculous things are happening. And it's another to take possession of that dream. How bad do you want this? I'm asking you to go to the next level. Every believer in Christ comes to this crossroads at some point and they go one of two ways. They go under or they go over. They sink or swim. They break down or they break through. That's their choices. So if you struggle with secret sin, and we all do at some level, there are two choices for you. You either purify yourself or just make peace with your sin. That's the alternative. Just settle down on this side of the Jordan and die with Moses and the rest of your generation. Just that close to the freedom God had for your life. Or you come clean. You actually consecrate yourself. You know what that means? It just means, I can, God, I confess, oh, Jesus, I am, a, I am loved by you, but I am a wretched creature. Would you renew a right spirit within me? You repent, actually, of, of trying to conquer your sin by your own power. And say, God, i got to lean into you in faith. I believe you are bigger. You're bigger than any addiction that I have, any habits that are just keeping me trapped, any broken thinking. And by the power of the cross, I ask you to help me cross over from my old life to the new one in Christ. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you do. Some of you are like, that seems really harsh because you're not hearing this with spiritual ears. This is a moment of decision for some of you. As you confront the Jordan of your secret struggle, are you going to break down, make peace with it? Are you going to break through? Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow. God's going to do amazing things among you. You want to cross over? Let God go first. Admit it's too big for you. Second step, purify yourself. Come clean about all the junk in your life. Ask God to purify your heart every inch. Then and only then can you take the last step and fully get your feet wet. That's what happens here. This is the best moment in Joshua 3. I love this. Look at verse 8. It says, tell the priests who carry the ark, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, let's say it together, go and stand in the river. <laughs> and as soon as the priests who carry the ark Set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. I guess he's going to cause something to happen here. And folks, this is key. If you find yourself on the banks of a Jordan, when you, if you're on the brink of a breakthrough in your spiritual life, 
You want to see more of God. You're hungry for God. He will only release his power when we take our first step of faith and our feet hit the water. You get your feet wet in a tangible way that says in faith, I'm expecting God to show up because if he doesn't, I am up a creek without a paddle. Literally. <laughs> see, God goes, we all get this. God goes first, but he's invisible. We can't see him. <laughs> And sooner or later comes this moment of truth. Do you really believe that God can be trusted to get you across? Can be counted on to, to carry you through this crisis you're facing? Because that's what a step of faith is. It's stepping into the darkness when you can't even know what's going to catch you there. Is there going to be dry ground beneath my feet to meet me? I, I'm, reminded, I'm actually reminded of that scene in Indiana Jones. You remember this? Last Crusade, some of you? In, remember when Indy searches for the Holy Grail? It's the cup of Christ, yeah? And he comes to that chasm. There's like a bottomless pit. He's got to get across, and he's, Indiana is faced with this decision. Will he step out in faith when his eyes tell him there's nothing there to catch him? Do you remember this? Give Spielberg credit. He got his theology right. Some To cross over a, a, a chasm requires, in the end of things, a what? A step of faith. And Joshua says it's only after you take that step that God reveals, I was here the whole time, making a safe path for you to cross over. I, I love when, when Indy looks at that and he, and he literally just goes, he, goes, he takes a deep breath, holds it, Oh, I'm guessing this is how the priests felt when their toes circled over the churning water of the Jordan. Is God really going to show up? Even though I can't see him, even though my heart is in my throat, would you be willing to close your eyes and literally let go and let God get you across this challenge you are facing in your life? Do you understand this? If you are a child of God, you, are, uh, you have been saved in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God, God's desire is to release his power in your life. That's his, he wants to do this. But he says, I want you to take the first step. And it may be scary. Maybe it's leaving your job. I talked with somebody who heroically left an incredible job because of some unethical things that were happening. He said, I'm taking that step of faith. I'm going to do this. Maybe it's getting a new job. Maybe it's moving across country. Maybe it's downsizing where you are. I don't know, but crossing Jordan is scary. Maybe that's how you feel right now as you think about your life. You're like, God has had me on the banks of this breakthrough for a while, and I know, actually, I can see it. I know exactly where he's asking me to go. I know exactly what God wants me to do. But it's decision time. Will you stay frozen in fear? Will you step out in faith? We keep coming back to this. So do the Israelites. It's like, here we go again. But fortunately, this time around, they, 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 they follow the leader. They follow the leader, Joshua, and they choose faith. Let's just finish this. Joshua 3, verse 15, it says, As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their what? Let's say it together. Their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. 
It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. This is where we get Adam from. That's right. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stirred firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. So how do God's people cross over? What happens? They take a step of faith and God parts the waters. Where have we seen this before? Wake up, everybody. Come on now. Look what's happening here. Do we see this? When he leads them out of bondage in Egypt, he parts the Red Sea. When he brings them out of the desert, he says, I'm going to do it again. Are you paying attention? I'm going to go over this one more time for you people. He's like, will you trust me completely? Will you obey me wholeheartedly? I'm going to go over this again. Do you really believe I am bigger than your greatest fear? Don't you love that God, like, he, he didn't reveal his power until the first foot hit the water. Actually, don't you hate that? I kind of hate that. <laughs> I'm like, I'd do it if I was like 50 yards out and I started seeing it go, you know. But, but it's only once the first toe touches down does the water part before them. That's a lesson no matter what situation you're facing today, guys. You, you, you may be facing a decision where you wish you had more information. You may wish you had time to weigh your options yeah, or get a second opinion. But here's the truth. Your father, your heavenly father, he operates on a need-to-know basis. He only gives you what you need to know right now enough to lean in and take the first step. So my question is this. Where do you need to trust God? What is he asking you to do? Where is he asking you to go? Follow him. Trust him. If you are going to see his power poured out in your life, you've got to take that step, folks. And you've got to get your feet wet. You've got to get your feet wet. And I'm just going to take a risk right now and tell you exactly how that looks in my own life. This is wet cement, okay? This is as recently as last Sunday. Um, I think I mentioned this to a couple of you. Um, it was an incredible service we had last week. All of our campuses, just incredible reports of God breaking through to people in a new way. And um, one of the reasons I'm convinced that happened is because I woke up early that Sunday. It was crazy. It was like 4.45, and I'm not like, I'll sleep to the last minute, and then about 15 minutes past that. And so I got up, and I thought, okay, I'm up. I'll just review my notes, you know, for this message and everything. And God said, I, I don't want you to look at your notes. I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay. Uh, so I made some coffee, and I sit down. I just start praying, and I'm reading through Corinthians and whatnot. And, um, and I felt like God was saying to me, you know, Tim, you're going to be, like, challenging all these people to, like, you know, you're going to take a, face your fear and take a step of faith and all that stuff. And my question for you is, what do you fear? Where, where do you lack faith, Tim, if you're going to be honest with people? And you know what honestly came to me? I was like, it's a new year, and I was like, I lack faith at times that people are going to respond to the gospel. That when presented with the opportunity and hear the, the power of Jesus Christ, that God's going to bring his Holy Spirit to bear in people's life. And, and in that moment, they're going, to, they're going to be changed. They're going to cross from life to death. I grew up in the church. It's part of my overchurched madness. Sometimes I've seen that done really badly, like, everybody come forward. I hate that stuff. And so I shy away from it. And I felt like God was saying, so you're going to be the ceiling of the church. Is that right? In 2011, your fear of being misinterpreted or, or making people feel weird is going to be the ceiling of what my Holy Spirit wants to do at Liquid Church. And I said, God, I don't want that to happen. And I start reading through 1 Corinthians, and he leads me to that passage where, where Paul says, my preaching wasn't with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of, guess what? The Spirit's power. I've heard that a thousand times. In here, it clicked for me. And I was like, this isn't about what I say. This isn't about, like, do I get this right? This is about wanting the Holy Spirit of God in a new way to break through. And I said in 2011, I'm not going to be the ceiling of this church. We're not going to have this church where everything's explainable. It's, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to look back and it be like, yeah, they got some, like, you know, some, 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 a great band, awesome music, and some good-looking people, and of course people go to that church. I want to see the breakthrough of God. You understand this? And so I'm praying and repenting, because I'm like, Lord, I don't believe this. Would you give me the faith? Just rip this doubt out of my heart. And so last week, it was incredible, because I'm sharing this with you, and it's just spontaneous. I'm like, stand up right now. You want to say, all in, give your faith to Jesus Christ. We had 213 people come forward and say, I want to give my life to Christ all in. 
Some of them said, I want to rededicate my life. I've been living this half-hearted, like kind of, I'm going to church existence. I want to give my life to God. I want him to use it. I don't want to die on this side of the dream. And I'm, I'm like, what is happening here? And God's like, me. <laughs> that would be me. That would be called the demonstration of my spirit's power, not your little preaching deal. Guys, this, and so, so this morning I got up early again. <laughs> and by faith, I asked God, I was like, God, I, I'm, I'm hungry here. I don't, I don't want to break down. I want to break through to what you have for the life of Liquid Church. I want to see your grace flood New Jersey. I want to leak out across the East Coast. I want to go all over the place. Not for our glory, but for the power of Jesus Christ to be demonstrated. And one of the hardest spiritual, dry, desert places in the world. Because he has the power to do more than we can ask or imagine. You believe that? Do you believe that? Again, this year will be make or break for a lot of you. Our, our people this church are facing a million different decisions and trials and obstacles. And, and, and this is the moment some of us will break down and make peace with your sin and die in the desert. But a few, a few will break through to the future that God has for them. What he wants to do beyond what your modest plans are. Don't get stuck on the wrong side of the Jordan wringing your hands with indecision or anxiety. When you, when you have faith, this is as wet cement as this week, you understand this? When you have faith God is leading you, you can step boldly into any decision no matter how much it scares you, no matter how much it intimidates you or what it might cost you. And this year, I'm like, I'm choosing breakthrough because I don't want my life, I don't want the life of our church to be explainable. So if you're one of the few people who wants to cross over, practically speaking, like, how do you do this? The answer is you do what the Israelites did. You follow the leader. The Israelites, they followed a man named Joshua. Here's how you say it in Hebrew. Yeshua. Here's how you say it in Greek. Jesus. It means the Lord saves. It means the Lord saves. And just as Joshua led the Israelites to the life that God promised them, Jesus can lead you to the new life God has for you. In Hebrews 12, we are told, he says, let us fix our eyes on who? On Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He wrote your story. He's an author. Who for the joy set before him, Endured what? The cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Folks, if you don't grasp anything else, grasp this. The cross is the crossover. This is the only way you get to new life by God's power. You cross over through the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, take my sin, nail it there, give me the power and the freedom to live in your spirit. Amen? This is what you're being invited to. The cross is the crossover. Do you get this? God will never ask you to go anywhere your Savior has not been first. He will never do it. You may never have been this way before, but guess what? Yeshua, Jesus, Joshua has. Jesus' journey is our journey. Jesus spent 40 days in where? The desert. And he never grumbled. He never doubted. He never sinned. He trusted the Father completely. He obeyed him perfectly. He lived the sinless life we couldn't live. And on the cross, he died the death we deserve, yes? And on the cross, guys, he out, why did he do this? Out of love. He said, I don't want you to ever be alone, and so I'm going to take the greatest fear you have, rejection, abandonment. No one is with you. And Christ was falsely beaten. He was accused. He was spit on. He was scorned, is how Hebrews puts it. I mean, like, what is that? And three days later, God demonstrated his power, and he raised him from the dead, and he put him at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he's going to return and he says, right now, I want to give you the power to cross from, new, from old life to the new one. I want to give my spirit to you. It says he's the author of your faith. He's, he wrote the story. It says he's the perfecter. It means he's your guide. He can show you where to go. This is why we let Jesus go first. The cross is our crossover. Can we say that? The cross is our crossover. We follow him, not the other way around. So when you, when you confess your... That's why we have a crosses in all of our campuses. Because when you go up to it and you confess your sin, you, you nail your, your, your sin to that cross, you leave it, and he gives you his righteousness. He pours out his spirit. That means he gives you a brand new power to cross from the old life over to the new. 
The cross consecrates us. It purifies us, okay? So God can use your life. This is it, folks. I don't have anything else for you. This is what you are called to. And if you cannot point to this moment in your life where you decided to put your wholehearted faith in Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, today's the day. The cross is your crossover. You need to follow Jesus today. I don't know what else to tell you. You need to take that step. If you're facing a crossroads, maybe you're struggling with secret sin. Don't make peace with your sin and die in the desert. God has more for you. God God has so much more for us. And I have prayed in faith that today, today, in this room, all our campuses, if you're listening online, that there are a handful of you who are going to get your feet wet. You're going to take take a step forward because God's speaking directly to you. This is not me anymore. Would you just close your eyes for just a minute? Because this is God talking to you. With his spirit, he's put a finger on an issue in your life. You feel that? You feel that conviction? Just don't deny it. Don't resist it. And he's saying, step boldly into this new life I'm calling you to. This is your moment. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to call you up. I'm asking you to get up... Get up out of your seat. I'm going to ask you to come to one of the crosses at your campus. You're literally taking a step to receive Christ into your life, to receive his spirit, and I'm going to, I'm going to meet you there. Our leaders are going to be there. We're going to pray for you. We're actually going to pray a prayer of consecration that God will cleanse your life and then use it powerfully for his purpose. Jesus, right now, I am praying for that handful of men and women, Lord. Maybe last week they wanted to stand up and be counted by you. But today is the day that they will point back to this moment that they trusted Christ with their whole heart. This is the moment, God, you're going to break through in their life. Father, I'm praying for that at all of our campuses. Father, thank you for telling us, reminding me, there's more. There's more for our church. There's more for your people, and it starts now. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said together, Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.